Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Welcome in everyone, this is the Full 10 Yards Podcast where every yard counts, hope you enjoyed your weekend, uh, your week 10 of NFL action, I know I certainly did, I must say actually, um, before we get into the action on first down, it was probably one of the most entertaining weekends of action in the NFL, uh, I don't know what my co-host thought, but Sean, I'm assuming because you uh, you witnessed the Browns win, it has, to be, it has to be up there this season. Yeah, I forgot what it felt like for a while, to be honest, Sunday evening, and uh, I have to be honest, even watching it, I didn't expect it to come until right until the end, but a uh, bit of a crazy week, plenty of surprises, um, I think a lot of people wouldn't have won an awful lot of money betting this weekend, um, I know I certainly didn't get a few games right in our pick and competition. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into it with you very shortly, mate. Absolutely, yeah. A few, uh, like, yeah, it's a good point actually. Quite a lot of survivor pools went down by the wayside. I think, I think one one of the big ones I was in, I was out a couple of weeks ago. But I think there were forty eight people left standing. I think forty three or forty five of them all went because. They all went Indy and uh, New Orleans, but uh, yeah, we'll get to those uh, very shortly indeed. Just before we do, uh, just a bit of social result for you. Russell Wilson was voted your, your current MVP um, at this stage of the season with over half the votes. He'll be in action a bit later tonight as well. So uh, yeah, Russell Wilson certainly um, at the forefront of the betting. Like I say, great week, week of action. Um, there was a, was a point actually towards the end of the 6pm game, 6 games, or as uh, Scott Hansen likes to call it, the witching hour, where I think it was the Buffalo, Kansas, City, Miami and Arizona games all going on, obviously all quite close games um, I, I, the only thing I could liken it to, Sean, I don't know if you've watched Anchorman, but do you remember the, the first one, when they're doing the big fight at the end and just Brick Tamlin's standing there with a big grenade just sh- screaming and shouting, I felt like I just wanted to get off the couch and just <laughs> start walking around screaming any Anchorman gag he's lost on me, I'm afraid I'm ah, be only, must be one of the only people not to really ah. get it, but uh you're not the only. You're not the first person to uh, try and get me to reconsider, mate. So maybe I'll give it another watch. I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> that's another. You probably that probably went over your head as well. Um, yeah, like I say, four downs on the podcast today. Game recap in first down. Jason Garrett corner stats life, and of course we're going to be uh, going to be looking at some of the uh, the seedings now for the playoffs. Obviously, uh, it's not too far in front of us now. The play uh, January football is just uh, just a mere. What's the, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for when it's something's uh, just off in the distance? Maybe it's just off in the distance. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Uh, it's, it's been uh, I've only had three hours sleep watching the Dallas game last night, so just uh, you'll have to you'll have to bear with me. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, let's uh, let's get uh, this show on the road and start first down. First down. Yep. So like I say, uh, started off obviously on Thursday night football Chargers at Raiders. Uh, bit of a funny game this one, but uh, yeah, Raiders putting an end, or, yeah, pretty much final now in the coffin there for the Chargers season once and for all, if it wasn't done already. That was despite the efforts of Melvin Gordon, who probably looks more like himself, slowly getting back to his old ways, um, still a bit befuddled by Austin Eckler's usage. Uh, once again, he was used quite sparingly. Uh, Raiders took the lead late in this one. Philip Rivers didn't have a great game, was quite erratic. Even uh, the, you know the most, one of the most ugliest throws uh, in the NFL, um, I suppose, is the general consensus. But so the final drive was absolutely awful, wildly uh, inaccurate all night. Like I said, he was 17 of 31 for uh, 207 yards, two touchdowns and three interceptions. But that final drive was 0-7, uh, the first down coming off the penalty on fourth down as well. But just deep 
deep shot after deep shot and have to kind of wonder what was going on there because they didn't need to get uh, they only need to get a field goal it wasn't as if they needed it to get the touchdown so uh, questionable decisions over there uh, obviously off the back of Ken Wisenhunt being recently fired as the offensive coordinator as well but for the Raiders Josh Jacobs putting forward his case for the offensive rookie of the year another 100 yards from scrimmage one touchdown but all this year's rookies in the Oakland Raiders are putting it, mucking in, as the, as the phrase is. 13 touchdowns combined uh, for the team, most in the NFL, who now the Oakland Raiders moving to 5-4 and four, are just one game behind the Chiefs. Uh, two favourable games next up on the slate with the Bengals and the Jets, so could quite well be 7-4 uh, and four this time in two weeks. Uh, I suppose not many people think of that at the start of the season. And I have to say, I suppose the big takeaway from this one is, despite all the flack you know, John Gruden gets, and you know, he's, he's been getting that, some of that on this podcast as well, uh, I think it's fair to say that the Raider Nation are looking in good shape for the foreseeable future as they uh, start to pack their bags for Las Vegas. Uh, Sean, you are next up on the Sunday slate Bills and Browns yeah so you've already alluded to mate the Browns eventually back in the wing column after four straight defeats <laughs> um, felt like a long time coming and as I alluded to it was quite an excruciating watch from a Browns perspective a game that started off very much like the opening day game did against Tennessee with a beautiful drive uh, the ball moving you know with ease and Jarvis Landry caught a 19 yard touchdown from Baker Mayfield um, and from there on in, it then just became really, really difficult for, for, for either team to move the ball. Um, the Browns somehow managed to have a sequence of running nine plays from inside the Buffalo Bills five-yard line mm-hmm. and ultimately still couldn't score. And they probably would have scored twice, to be fair, but for very deliberate pass interference calls from the Bills. But fair play to them, they stopped Odell Beckham on both occasions actually getting the ball caught in the back of the end zone. Um and they couldn't punch the ball in on the ground either. Um, encouraging signs for Cleveland in this one in terms of Kareem Hunt, his first game in a Browns uniform, um, and he looked very, very good in the action that he did see. He was on the field quite often with Nick Chubb, ironically not down at the goal line where you felt it actually could have been really beneficial. Um, but in the game, in the game action that he did see, he was very effective, particularly as a lead blocker. Yeah, the Browns don't employ a fallback. Kareem Hunt did a good job there, opening up some holes. Nick Chubb had another great day on the ground. Another game with over 100 yards as he moves to over 900 on the season. Um, Certainly on pace to to sort of exceed about 1,400 yards with the way that he's going. Um, So that's really good to see. Uh, For the Bills, um, stalled a little bit, it has to be said, offensively. Josh Allen actually looked fairly decent when given time in the pocket. Um, He did, you know, find John Brown with a couple of nice nice balls Um, but ultimately you know the Bills didn't really um, stamp their authority on this one defensively despite you know putting up some really good efforts in the first few weeks of the season they didn't really you know muster an awful lot here Baker Mayfield was only sacked twice and that's been an area of real weakness for the Browns so the Bills didn't sort of capitalize there there was however an opportunity here for the Bills and unfortunately for them they now own the field goal kicker with the longest active streak of missed field goals from beyond 50 yards. Stephen Hauschka, unfortunately for him, uh, extending that streak to five with two misses in this one, including one that would have sent the game into overtime. Uh, but like I said, the Browns do hang on. Uh, the takeaway out of this one really is the fact that you know the Browns' season is still sort of relevant. Um, I'll say that because there's a long, long way to go, but you have to start somewhere. And I think any other defeat now 
essentially probably does completely and utterly finish them off. They've got a short turnaround for the Steelers on Thursday, so that now becomes a huge game. And for the Bills, um, I, I was was quite high on the Bills, and we're going to do an exercise later around playoff seedings, and I thought they were fairly secure, but I've got to be honest, I wasn't overly impressed. And actually, when you look back at the schedule, what they've beaten isn't a great deal. Um, you know, so some question marks there, and they need to very quickly get things turned around. Mm. Um, a side that looks very secure, though, when it comes to the playoffs, is the AFC North leading Baltimore Ravens, mate. Mm. So I'll chuck it back to you. Pro pro segue there, son. Pro segue. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely bloodbath by at Baltimore here. Lamar Jackson, another game full of highlights for the ever, ever thickening highlight reel. Uh, long touchdown run with a spin, uh, the highlights, uh, but also some easy throws to Mark Andrews, uh, Marquise Brown et al. But yeah, I just want to play um, a quality bit of uh, commentating here from uh, Kevin Harlan. And no, it's not, uh, it's not uh, Lawrence that's uh, commentating on this one. Uh, but I just want to play Kevin Harlan's uh, touchdown run for, for Lamar Jackson and spare me two seconds. Here we go. If it plays. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47-yard touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Wow. I mean, he broke his ankles. I mean, that's quite something. Um... <laughs> But yeah, we go. So yeah, he's obviously one of the better commentators. I really enjoy listening to Kevin Harlan actually as well, and I'm sure, I'm sure Lawrence would be uh, in front of the mirror doing his Kevin Harlan impression on that one over and over again. I'm sure. So uh, yeah, shout out to you, Lawrence. Obviously, you are biggest uh, one of the biggest Lamar Jackson fans going. But back to the game. Obviously, this is also an interesting one for you. Three three Heisman Trophy winners in the backfield. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, RG three, and Mark Ingram as well. I don't really see uh, that every day. Uh, next up for the Ravens, Houston at Rams and 49ers. So some uh, some interesting games there. But you have to think, uh, especially Houston and Rams' uh, defense. You know, Lamar Jackson again should uh, should be, should see a bit su- success on the ground. Uh, talking on the Bengals side for a minute, because so, I suppose we are we we have a duty to do that, especially because Adam is a as a Bengals fan. But yeah, I've managed a, a bit of the run game in this one. But you have to wonder whether or not that's through them having such a big lead and just giving them you know everything in front of them and, and not letting. Uh, although Ryan Finley's not going to stretch the field by any much stretch of the imagination, but uh, yeah, um, Joe Mixon getting some yardage is always nice to see, I suppose as well. But uh, with Miami and New York Jets winning, of course, as well, I'm sure I'm sure they'll be happy. Um, obviously, Bengals looking all the more likely now for that number one, as N Dubs used to sing. Uh, couldn't really t- take too much from Ryan Finley in this one, but Sean, I, my takeaway from this one: Oh, could could the Ravens be the the favourites for the AFC? Uh, I think they could, and I'd say that based on the way that they would match up against the other contenders. You know, you've alluded to there that, you know, we know that the strength of that Ravens attack is on the ground. And if you look at the two teams that, you know, most people would have picked weeks ago to be the AFC Championship game, that would have likely been the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. And Mm. what's their biggest weakness? Mm. Defending the run. So the Ravens do stack up really well against both of those teams in particular. Mm. Um, so things certainly looking good from a Baltimore perspective, mm. as painful as that is for me to say on the front. <laughs> uh, talking of painful, uh, Lions, <laughs> Bears. Yeah, painful again, really, watching Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, oh. barring a sort of six or seven minutes um, period where they scored all of their points, it was very much a similar story for what the Bears have been in recent weeks. Um, Trubisky holding on to the ball for far too long, getting sacked on a far too regular basis. 
Um, and like I say, short of a score just before half-time um, to the absolutely brilliantly named Ben Braunnecker. Yeah, so did, yeah. did anybody start Ben Braunnecker in <laughs> fantasy football this week? If you did, what a fantastic name. Um, but it was, a, it was a lovely touchdown, to be fair to him as well. Was, nice yeah, over-the-shoulder yeah. throw, um, and he, he, uh, he snagged that one in the end zone. Um, they then scored a couple of touchdowns um, to open up the second half and essentially blow the game open. Um, story for this one, obviously, was Matt Stafford not going for the first time in his career. Um, sorry, since week 17 of the 2010 season, I should say. He has missed time in his career, but it's been a long time since he, he hasn't seen the field. Um, so Jeff Driscoll um, started this one. By all accounts, according to his interview, when he found out on the day of the game, which is a little bit surprising, but I'm sure he was given plenty of reps in practice leading up to it. Um, and he he didn't have a terrible game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he completed 27 passes for 269 yards with a touchdown. He did throw the one interception. Again, the touchdown that he did throw was a, a bit of a bomb ready down the, the side to Kenny Golladay, um, which, which sort of did make the game interesting at the back end. Um, but ultimately, the Bears just about ground this one out. It is really ugly, though, I've got to say, at Chicago. It, it seems to be the same pattern week in and week out, um, and they really can't get out of their own way. David Montgomery, again, very, very bottled up on the ground, 17 carries for 60 yards, and they just really seem to lack any sort of identity on offence. And outside of Alan Robinson, as we've said for the last few weeks here, they really are struggling to find any player makers. Um I'll try and do another expert segue for you, mate, and talk mm-hmm. about that Giants playmaker who managed one yard on 13 carries this week. I was going to say, the segue there is talking of bottled up. Um, yeah, I mean, but this is this was actually quite a fun game to watch. Uh, who knew that the Giants and the Jets could put on a decent game? Uh, yeah, Saquon Barkley didn't have fun, did he? Uh, one yard on 13 rushes. Uh, yikes. I think he appears a bit later on in uh, Stats Life, but more for that later. It's an interesting, a funny game, though, in terms of how the scoring came. They kind of came in bunches for both teams. It was a, a, a tale of, of, of two quarters in the first half. Uh, Jets going up 14 nothing. Giants getting it back. But, uh, yeah, in the first quarter, the Jets outgained the Giants 121 yards to two and outscored them 14 to nothing. But in the second quarter, the Giants outgained the Jets by 105 yards to four and outscored them 13 to nothing. So, um, I suppose if you're on one side of the stadium, you had a, <laughs> you had a decent game. But um, if you, the other side, maybe not so much. But, uh, couple of touchdowns for Darius Slayton, Golden Tate uh, for the Giants, and then Crowder, Bell, and Jamal Adams on the defence there. Fumble recovery for six. Uh, another fumble for Jones at 13 now on the season, 10 in the last four games, uh, and three in this one as well. I, I did wonder, actually, I wonder what it feels like. Obviously, Jets and Giants play in the same, uh, in the same stadium. I wonder what it felt like for Giants players and fans obviously being in their home stadium but seeing the Jets deck out uh, all about but um, yeah six straight defeats now for the Giants the next three at Chicago versus Green Bay at Philadelphia so uh, probably more fumbles on the way there for Daniel Jones takeaway from this one both teams a lot of holes in there and it's probably going to take quite a few more picks to uh, to sort these two teams out probably a, a long way away from any January football for these two um, no January football for these two teams oh no I've gone, for the, I've gone to the wrong game what a bad segue Um, I've got you up for Chiefs-Titans yeah you had me worried there for a moment I was thinking (laughs) at least one of these teams will have some playoff football but we say that and to be fair the Chiefs now have have lost three of the last four so maybe it isn't as clear cut as we once expected and if there was ever a game where statistics can tell you an absolute lie it's this one so Kansas City versus Tennessee time of possession 
37 minutes 51 to Kansas City, 22 to Tennessee. Passing yards in terms of the quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, 446, Ryan Tannehill, 181. And which team came out with the win? Of course, the Tennessee Titans. (laughs) Unbelievable game, really. Um, And to be fair, when you actually analyse it and you look at it, you you have to just take your hat off here. Well, I I certainly do to Ryan Tannehill. Um, You know, this is a guy that's, you know, bowed his time on the bench. Ultimately, the decision came probably far too late to bench Marcus Mariota, who's been nothing but distinctly average since the day that he was drafted. And since Tannehill has come in, this club seems to have just gotten a boost of energy. Derrick Henry had an excellent day on the ground. He was the only guy to actually rush the ball outside of Tannehill on a couple of scrambles, and he finished with 188 yards from just 23 attempts, including a 68-yarder, which went for one of his two touchdown runs. Um, and we've said now for the last few weeks, you know, if there is a weakness in this Kansas City team, it's very much that rush defence. And again, here's a running back who's, let's face it, not known for his explosiveness by any stretch of the imagination. You know, he's a big bruising back. Um, but ultimately, he rumbled his way to, to nearly 200 yards in this one. Um, for the Chiefs, I mean, Mahomes, you know, you can't accuse him here of, of being a problem. He's not certainly not come back rusty, has he, with 446 yards, including three touchdowns through the air. You know, a massive day, again, for Tyreek Hill. He was targeted a, a, a monster 19 times. Grabbed 11 of those for 157 yards and a touchdown. Touchdowns were shared around. There was one to Travis Kelsey and another one to Michael Hardman, who made one hell of a play, it's got to be said. And put, this will be he, one of those highlight reel plays. Yeah, he, put um, the, he put the after jets on, didn't he? He certainly did. And, you know, it, it'll be one of those that, you know, of course, there'll be the hype train that Patrick Mahomes is the only human being alive that can jump and throw a ball <laughs> at the same time. Um, you know, but ultimately a fantastic play from the two of them. Um, but ultimately, you know, this game came down to right at the last second, and it just goes to show the life of an NFL kicker. We were here last week praising Harrison Booker, and rightly so. And I'm not critical of him here. Um, it was an absolutely brilliant block on the last second field goal, which again would have sent a game into overtime. So similar to what I said earlier about the um, the Buffalo game um, with the uh, the team trailing getting an opportunity to take it um, into an additional period. Um, but a brilliant jump. Um, it, I was convinced that the player was offside, to be honest. It was one of those that he timed it that well. Mm. He looked as though Thanks. he was a yard or two ahead of anybody else. Um, his name escapes me at the minute. Um, can't remember. He'll be a specials team player, so apologies. <laughs> I, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, but a, an absolutely brilliant block. Um, and ultimately, that meant that the, the Titans... Got to say, that's that's probably the biggest statement win under Mike Rabel. The Titans are a sort of perennial 8-8 eight eight team, and they don't tend to get these type of wins. They tend to you know, get beaten up by teams like the Chiefs, and, and they'll take care of the business where you expect them to. Um, but this is a massive statement win. Mm. Um, Takeaway, really, for me, is the fact that, like I've said, the, you know, the Chiefs now lost three of four. Um, and that division all of a sudden is actually looking quite competitive. Um, you alluded to with the Thursday night football, the Raiders sitting at five and four. You know, I don't think it's actually that much of a guarantee now that the Chiefs even get um, a home playoff game. Mm. Um, they really do need to, to sort of get tightened up and get tightened up quickly. We... And the Titans <laughs> just you know seem to be as confusing as ever, let's face it. Yeah. I don't think that gives me any confidence to say that they'll win next week. Um, but a great win for them. Mm. 
Uh, no clever segue here, mate. Just an entertaining game, cards and books. Yeah, I just want to a quick shout out to so the some more stats from that Tennessee one. The uh, at the end of the first half, the time of possession, Tennessee had the ball for seven minutes. I think I saw somewhere, um, which is just crazy. Um, but yeah, now the um, Ryan Tannehill as well led his third game-winning drive of the season, which is tied for second most in the NFL. But he's only played four games. Um, so yeah, Josh Allen and Russell Wilson have four. So yeah, interesting times. Tannehill, like I say, yeah, seems to be at home there in Nashville. Uh, talking of at home, I suppose uh, Buccaneers. Have, it's been a while since they've been at home. Uh, where's, the, where's my stat here? I think it's been the first time they've been at home since week three. Um, so obviously, of course, they played a game in London as well. But yeah, this is a fun, a fun one. Bruce Arians' revenge game. You know how I like my revenge. Um, yeah, James Winston captain the team to a comeback in this one win over Kyler Murray obviously both QBs former number one overall picks in the NFL draft uh, Kyler Murray also played well in this one three three uh, touchdown bombs to Christian Kirk who scored the most points since uh, for a Cardinal since Anquan Bolden did in 2008 uh, Kyler Murray did however throw his first interception um, which obviously broke the record held by Dak Prescott and Derek Carr but uh, the streak ended at 211 so uh, Arizona really should have won this game to be quite honest they won the turnover battle you know Kyler outplayed uh, Jameis Winston who uh, still turned the ball over as they let's say I think it was three to two um, but that Bucks run defense um, probably pulling out the victory for them stuffing David Johnson and the new acquisition Kenyon Drake who uh, went nuts against San Francisco last week uh, takeaway from this one Arizona pr- uh, trending up probably more than the Buccaneers um, yeah some interesting offense it's always a fun it's always fun to watch the Arizona uh, game uh, when they when they do play, so I suppose Tampa Bay were a good foil for them as well. So uh, yeah, a lot of points, a lot of uh, interesting kind of plays and play calls, and um, yeah, a lot of plays being made from both quarterbacks. I think I, I mentioned on one of the the, the betting podcast on Saturday uh, for the longest completion to be over thirty seven uh, and a half, and that was I think that was in uh, on Kyler Murray. Uh, I can't quite remember if uh, Jameis Winston done it as well, but yeah, interesting game. But again, you know these two teams, especially the Cardinals, are ones maybe more for the future, more so. What do what do you, what do you think? Uh, have you changed your mind on on Jameis Winston at all, John? Uh, no, I think to be fair, I think I think my mind's made up with Jameis Winston. He yeah. he will occasionally have a game that makes you think there's something to work with here, and then he'll go back to probably throwing four interceptions the following week. I just think he's an inconsistent type, unfortunately, and. Mm. You know, ultimately, you know, I've said several times, I, I'm not a huge fan of the phrase game manager. Ultimately, you want your quarterback to, to win games. Um, you don't want your quarterback to be the reason that you lose games. And unfortunately for the books, he loses them as many as he wins them. So mm. my mind is pretty made up when it comes to James, I'm afraid. Mm. Yeah, no worries. And for some reason, because I'm a moron, I've got two games in a row here. Falcons uh, and Saints. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, I think this, this this one just goes down to this is a game you just cannot explain. You cannot try and fathom as to how this result, uh, where this result came from. Obviously, one of the biggest shocks of the year, considering records, considering the team performances, uh, head coach play calling, and, and all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, where did the Falcons pull this one out for? Twenty six to nine was the final. The Falcons moved to two and seven. Uh, Falcons defense, which has always had the had the talent and the playmakers, and they swarmed all over Breeze in this one. I think six sacks, uh, more sacks than Santa Claus in this one. Both teams, uh, of course, off a bye. Um, yeah, it's just, just a strange game. Drew Brees under 300 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Ground game got nothing going. 
Uh, Alvin Kamara only had 24 yards, I think, on the ground. Uh, he was outrushed by Brian Hill. Uh, obviously got a bit of a, an uptick in production and um, carries, obviously, Devonta Freeman looking like he's got a sprained foot or something wrong with his foot anyway. So more on that once the MRI comes back. I don't know if uh, if you know anything more. But uh, he's obviously worth a look at on your fantasy waivers uh, is Brian Hill. He looked he look, he look quite good in the Hall of Fame game, actually. Uh, first game of the of the season way back in, uh, was it August, September? Blimey. Um, yeah, but talking of Atlanta, they had multiple double-digit double drives, uh, 10, 17, 11, and 13, uh, just the one for New Orleans, which was their first drive of 10 plays, which ended in a Will Lutz field goal. Um, I mean, we always say, you know, if you've got someone like a Drew Brees or a Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, you want to keep them off the field. So uh, being able to run the ball is, you know, and double-digit drives, uh, play drives is, is, the, is the way to do it. Um, where next, though, for these two teams, I, I think it's just one you can just, put, if you're the Saints, just burn the tape, get over it, and, uh, and, and move on. Uh, next week, they're at the Bucks and the Falcons play the, uh, at Carolina. So uh, two NFC South games there. Um, be interesting to see if there's any hangover there. But it's very unusual Sean Payton off a bye um, putting in that kind of performance there with the Saints. Uh, got a stat for that one later in Stats Life as well. But takeaway for me is Saints kind of shot themselves in the foot not only for... Um, you know, just in terms of record, but you know that number one, that number one seed, especially if San Francisco win tonight. Um, you know, Saints are a team that you know love a home field advantage inside the dome. Um, just ask. Uh just ask any of the fans in there, and especially ask Jacob as well, who's been in there as well. He's heard the noise. It's um, especially in, in playoff time in January football, where Saints, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome is uh, is a place that um, Drew Brees and Sean Payton will be wanting to play some January football. But yeah, 49ers win tonight, and that's probably looking quite a lot in jeopardy in terms of the number one seed for the Falcons. Um, probably Dan Quinn has uh, saved his season. So. Um, yeah, for, for especially I was calling for his head a, a couple of weeks ago, and everyone was kind of expecting that, I suppose, during the bye. Um, yeah, still surprised that he's still there, but I suppose that win may probably even now give him till uh, the end of the season. Talking of till the end of the season, um, I'm hoping, that, I suppose, Sean, that the Colts fans uh, are wanting Jacoby Brissett back before the end of the season. Yeah, as quickly as possible. Um, we've said on here before that Brian Hoyer is a pretty decent backup quarterback. He completely and utterly proved us wrong yesterday. Um, three interceptions on his way to a pretty awful performance. 18 of 39 for just 204 yards and just the one touchdown um, in what was a pretty ugly game, it's got to be said. Um, both sides really struggled to move the ball with any consistency um, when it came to um, sort of third down conversions and that kind of thing. Um, let me just pull up the stats. The Miami Dolphins, 6 of 16. Indianapolis, 5 of 13 on third down conversion. So plenty of stalled drives, plenty of times that the punter trotted out onto the field in what was a pretty ugly game. Similar to what you just said about the um, the Saints game and how do you explain it. Very difficult. How do you explain this Colts performance, really? Um, a game that they were expected to win. I've been probably higher on Miami than a lot of people have. I think they've um, been competitive in a number of games now, and you know, ultimately this is now a two-game win streak. And one <laughs> nice little stat is they actually have the longest active winning win streak, streak in the AFC yeah, East. Yeah, 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 that made me um, And nine and seven is still very much on. Get yourself down the bookies <laughs> and have yourself, a pe- have yourself a pound on the on the Dolphins getting to the playoffs. Um, <laughs> But now, in all seriousness, nice to see them um, being able to string a couple of wins together. Devontae Parker looks like he's actually starting to, to sort of establish how to play wide receiver in the NFL. Um, he was the leading receiver on the day by a considerable margin when it came to the Dolphins um, with 69 receiving yards. 
Um, but like I say, t- to be honest, there's not really a huge amount to take away from this game. It's a big, big um, loss in the column for the Colts. They'd have absolutely been expecting to have got this one chalked up as another win. Um, that division, as we'll come on to later when we talk about the playoffs, is probably the most difficult to pick. Um, I would suggest most of the teams are in and around the same record currently. Um, so any any side that's got the Dolphins on the schedule would be looking to get a win. Um, you know, but please for Brian Flores and the guys down there, you know, mm. and fingers crossed um, mm. they can uh, continue trending positively. Because mm. as you said, I think the number one overall pick is probably a distant memory now as they have a two-game lead when it comes to that. Yeah, it's quite interesting, um, actually. Miami, like obviously Miami have three first-round picks. They've got their own, and they've got the one from uh, the Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who obviously are there in the 20s now. So it's... Uh, <laughs> Quite interesting. The start of the season, they had some potentially good-looking, uh, some good-looking first-round picks there, but uh, yeah, but not to be. Uh, what did you, what did you make of? Because uh, I actually saw a bit of this game. The at the end there, the fourth down, to I think it's to Eric Ebron, uh, the fourth and ten. I thought that the, the the that drive was a bit strange as well, considering um, the play call. Because the, the fourth down play as well to to Ebron wasn't even at the markers, so even if he caught the ball, he wasn't he was never going to get it. But um, yeah, strange, strange play calling there. And as well, I, I actually want to also have a shout out to Rob, who's withdrawn his um, his Colts fandom. That's uh, it's absolutely shocking, um, and especially with Sean. Obviously, you being a Browns fan, uh, what, what, what what do you make of it? Well, you know, you, you should just you should never give up. I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's all in jest. Um, <laughs> it's um, you know, let, let's put it this way: I, I would have much rather have um, you know picked the Colts ten years ago than the club that I did end up picking. So uh, you know, you haven't had it all bad, Rob. Stick with it, mate. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, you can't you can't experience you don't know what a high is until you've experienced the lows. That's uh, that's uh, that's a quote I've always uh, kind of had in my brain as, as my life's gone on but um, more about the Dallas Cowboys a bit later on um, yeah go, go and give Rob some skip, uh, some stick over at FF Brit Baller taking his uh, taking his Colts fandom away shocking shocking stuff um, right who have I got have I got Ram Steelers is that me now uh, yes I yep. believe it is okay yeah Ram Steelers uh, again another another sh- strange uh, display of offensive football um, yeah, where, where's Sean McVay's playbook gone? And uh, sloppy, sloppy, sloppy game on this one. Almost like a kiss off your grandma, to be quite honest. But uh, two defensive scores, one for each team. Minka Fitzpatrick, or Minka Sixpatrick, as one of the commentators uh, cliched, I'm, I suppose. Dante Fowler with the other one for the Rams early on. But this Steelers defence, uh, looking pretty good, to be quite honest. It's young, it's... Um, yeah, you've got um, Devin Devin Bush, wasn't it? They one of their first round draft picks yep. from from this season. Uh, Minka, obviously, they've traded for a first, which is now obviously looking like a twenty a pick in the twenties, which is an absolute steal for him. But uh, yeah, he's he's. I mean, he must be one of the signings of the season. Signed in uh, week three for like I say a first rounder, five interceptions as a stealer now, one fumble return and one pick six, so two touchdowns there for uh, the former Miami Dolphin. TJ Watt was his usual wrecking ball self as well. He's uh, fairly new into the league, so. Uh, you know, for a team in the Steelers that were, you know, notoriously known for uh, their defense, you know, back in the Troy Polamalu days and, and all the rest of those guys, uh, obviously recent years switched over to the offense with the three Bs. Um, probably now coming altering back, the pendulum swinging back now into somewhat in the middle 
Um, so probably have actually a, re a really nice balance going into to next season if uh, Big Ben does come back. Cooper Cup, uh, the star of the Wembley game against the Bengals in London of his 10 receptions, 220 yards. That's evened out or averaged out very nicely now as he was catchless for the first time since week six in 2018. Uh, things got so bad for the Rams, they had to send in Blake Bortles and even he botched the snap on that, crit <laughs> that critical third down. Uh, one positive though for the Rams, Gerald Everett. He's worth a peak, certainly in fantasy, uh, if they're, you know, you're short on a tight end. Second round tight end, uh, second round pick in uh, the 2017 draft. 12 targets on Sunday, uh, three of his last six as well with double-digit targets. Uh, Takeaway from this one, Steelers probably now, uh, both teams now form f uh, five and four, but Steelers uh, probably, I don't even know if this is a hot take, but um, Steelers probably have more chance of making the playoffs now than the Rams. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, um, I, think if you look at that, I think if you look at the division standings, then yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got the Seahawks and the 49ers that are really, you know, looking strong in the um, in the NFC West. I think we'll wait and see in terms of the Steelers. I think that defense will carry them a long way, and I called that out. You know, when we did our midterm report cards, that defense will keep them absolutely in games. I'm still not convinced at all by the offense, to be honest. Um, you know, it's a, it's another game that they've been able to win by only scoring 17. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen on a two regular basis. Um, although I've got to be honest, we'll talk about it Thursday. I am a little bit worried about Thursday night. So we'll, um, we'll, wait, and see. we'll, we'll wait and see what happens this week. Mm, yeah, it doesn't match up well for Baker Mayfield. That is for sure. Panthers and Packers, good game this one. Yeah, good game. And do you know what really got me going on this one? We saw a bit of snowfall. That means really? we're getting towards the business end of the season. Bit of snowfall, and that means get your run game going. And what an absolute transformation this Green Bay offense has gone through. Um, you know, for the running game to be as productive as it is, and Aaron Jones to actually look like a legitimate NFL running back is quite a turnaround for a club that so long has relied on Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, he still was, was great on the day. Um, plenty of occasions that he, he made his usual sort of move, you know, sort of scrambling out to the right and throwing the ball across the middle. And every time he seemed to do it, he got a, a receiver at the back end, whether it was uh, Jimmy Graham, he rumbled for a big gain on one of them. There was a great catch by Devontae Adams down the right-hand side on one of them. So when Rodgers needed to make a play, he was there to make mm. them. I think Joe Buck jizzed his pants on that play. <laughs> Joe Buck does seem to uh, very much like Aaron Rodgers. I'll leave it at that. I think you've you've explained it beautifully there on this family show, mate. Um, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, though, combined, um, you know, a combined 156 yards on 26 carries um, at six yards a go as well. So, you know, not just the um, the absolute sort of production. It's it's the sort of you know the play by play. Um, you know. Production is the wrong word. I've just used that word. You know what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that they're just running it for the sake of running it and grinding it out at two and three yards of carry. Purpose. Explosive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the Panthers, uh, you know, I don't think they should be too disheartened. You know, let's face it, they were held up on the goal line at the end of the game, which could, again could have forced another one of these games into overtime. Lots of of close games that we've gone through here on this slate, um, but Christian McCaffrey was held up just short. Kyle Allen had a nice day. Um, I think he's really, really giving the Panthers yeah, a really good. nice headache to have um, because, you know, in this one, he threw for 307 yards, which is a career high, 28 of, th of 43 um, against a defence that, you know, to be fair, were after him all day. Mm. You know, he was sacked three times. He was hit a further nine 
Um, and some of these hits were, were really quite, you know, vicious hits. Preston Smith continues to look a really good acquisition for this Packers defence. Um, but we've said for a while now, I think this Packers team are nicely balanced. They, you know, hold their own when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And the offence certainly looks a lot more balanced than it ever has done. It looks like a team that is more set up to actually win as we get towards that business end of the season, as the snow will be continuing to fall, you know, all joking aside, you know, that's when you do need that ground game to come into its own. And, you know, the Packers certainly seem to have found theirs here. Um, and they impressively move now to eight and two. Um, the Vikings, though, keeping up pace, mate. I know you weren't happy, but uh, Sunday night football was mm. a good game. Mm, yeah, great game this one. Yeah, really enjoyed it, despite the uh, the result. Uh, Dak getting ready for Thanksgiving early, carving up that Minnesota pass defense. Unfortunately for Dallas, though, the Cook was on the other team. How about that? Um, yeah, Zimmer and Kubiak allowed Cook to dice up the Dallas uh, run D to the June, uh, tune of 33 touches, 183 yards, and a score. I mean, once that boy got going, um, he was bulldozing through the uh, through the Dallas defense. Uh, couldn't really couldn't really get a grip of him. Dallas did look like they were going to kind of steal this one though. You know, again falling behind two scores, you can't keep doing that in in this in this league. Uh, putting yourself in the hole, but they came back really well. Um, Seventeen to fourteen was the was the half time score in this one when I finally decided to hit the hay. Um, but yeah, final drive though, you, you fancied the chances. Dallas and, and Dak Prescott absolutely marched down the field. Uh, in, got inside two minutes, got inside the red zone, got to the eleven, I think it was. Uh, and then for some reason, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I, I suppose it's Kellen Moore as well. Turtled up a little bit and forced the ball to to Zeke on three straight plays. Uh, two two rushes and, and one. You know the fourth and five uh, pass was was never going to get there, but was, I think the third the third and two was the it was the killer play. Just running it straight up, well it's just straight to the left and just got stuffed for a three yard loss. So I'm not quite sure why. I know I know when you get to the red zone, it, it the, the back of the field tightens up a little bit and you've got a lot of less less space. But I was actually really surprised Dak didn't have a lot more keepers or you know because if you if you go back and watch the game, the, Minnesota were intent on on stifling uh, ZQ Elliott. So why not uh, run a few RPOs, run a bit of read option and and let Dak run run a few times as well. I know he probably would have taken a few hits off that of the mean defense, but just change it up a little bit. Why why keep running Zeke into the ground when for 54 minutes of the game, 55 minutes of the game it's not been working. So um yeah, that so that was slightly disappointing. Um that yeah, you put yourself in a position to win even after going 14 points down is a positive, I suppose. But uh, yeah, play calling right at the end there, uh, a bit disappointing. So uh, yeah, not not a great result there. 28 to 24 uh, in the end. I know Jason Garrett got a bit of stick for kicking a field goal um, a bit prior to that to make it a, a four point game. I didn't mind it personally because if we get the touchdown there, they then still have to go and uh, kick a. Can I kick a field goal to, to tie the, the game up as well? Dan Bailey, of course, revenge game for him. Next up for the Cowboys is a trip to Detroit. Uh, but the takeaway for this one, I think this is the game where the Vikings formally announced, and especially Kirk Cousins as well, formally announced themselves as Super Bowl contenders. Uh, so Dallas, I think the difference between the two teams here was the play calling um, and the scheming from both teams. It's just obviously night and day. Uh, and obviously that's why the Vikings got the win on this one. But from the, uh, Dallas's point of view, I think Dak is, is still the best quarterback for this team. A lot of people still kind of doubt him as Dallas's leader and obviously the pay, the, yeah, the, the, the pay packet he's about to receive, I suppose, in the next year or so, or whenever Dallas do decide to play him. But he's, he's certainly... Some of those throws, some of those touchdowns were absolutely beautiful. One to, to Kyle Rudolph to start it all off. That was a lovely one-handed grab at the back of the end zone. Amari Cooper with a touch, a toe tap on the on the edge there uh, was beautiful as well. So, yeah, no, it was a really good game. Really enjoyed it despite the, the four-point defeat. But, uh, yeah, two good two good teams. 
Certainly are, mate. And uh, to be fair, Dak Prescott can move. What a warm up that was! Did you see that boy <laughs> shaking his hips? Uh, yeah, all those, all the memes. All the, uh, as soon as I saw it when they put it on on uh, MB on uh, what was it, NBC, I was like, oh, that's just going to get the meme treatment. So I've seen all of it. I've seen I've been I've seen it been put to uh, Shakira's ship, hips don't lie and. And um, yeah, Colton, Colton from um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, they have put to that to that song, and uh, it's just, yeah, there we go. It's, you could, you can't put that stuff out into there because Twitter just does its thing. But, it um, certainly does, mate. It doesn't take them long. I've got to be honest though, it's it is the most bizarre warm up routine. <laughs> it's yeah. got to be said, it is a bizarre warm up routine. Yeah, we'll stick it up on full ten yards if you haven't seen it. Go and check it out. Yeah, indeed. Okay, that's uh, pretty much all the week ten. Obviously, one game uh, left tonight. But, ladies and gentlemen, what are your favourite stats from the weekend? We're about to give you six in second down. Second down. Stats okay, Sean. Obviously, it's becoming one of my favourite uh, segments. Actually, just everyone loves a good stat. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a glutton for for punishment in terms of stats. So uh, yeah, three three coming your way from each of us now. Go and give us your favourite stat from the weekend if you've got any out there. Maybe we don't uh, say it out on here, but yeah, at full ten yards on Twitter for some of your best stats. Uh, we get some of these from uh, various different sites and Twitter lines and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Sean starts off with uh, your number three. So, my number three is with regards to the New Orleans Saints, who have their third game of the season without a touchdown. And if I was to tell you that in the previous 12 years, they had only had two such games, that goes to show you a little bit of a worrying trend. Mm. It's also the first time, just to add on to it, as a slightly different stat, but still Saints-related, since 2005, that they've been held to under 10 points when playing in the Superdome. So... There you go. Not looking good for the Saints offensively. No, absolutely not. And uh, you start. We should have really conferred to start. <laughs> conferred to start with. But if you take the second half of that, I'll take the first half because I had that one as well. Um, I will go with um, kickers. A bit of kicker love. Uh, Fifty-four yard field goal versus the Bears. Matt Prater now has made 50, uh, 52 field goals uh, of fifty plus yards in his career, tying former Lions kicker Jason Hansen uh, for the second most in the Super Bowl era. Now only trails Sebastian Janikowski, old sea bass. So uh, Matt Prater. We were talking earlier, obviously, um, about 50, 50 yarders. Who was it? Stephen Hauschka, wasn't it? That's uh, missed, it. obviously, Matt Prater there at the other end of the spectrum. What's your next one, Shawnee? So the next one for me, mate, we talked a little bit about this guy earlier, and it probably just reconfirms how good of a trade this was for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to talk a little bit about Minka Fitzpatrick. So his 43-yard fumble return for his touchdown was his fifth takeaway and second defensive touchdown since he was traded to the Steelers back at the start of the season. He had 18 games as a Miami Dolphin, and in that time he only had three takeaways and one defensive touchdown. So that just goes to show you the level of production that he's been able to produce in his short time at Pittsburgh far outweighs anything that he's done in the early part of his career. Um, And it was also the first Steelers player to have a fumble return touchdown and a pick six in the same season since 1996. So he really has made a huge difference to that defence. He's really give them a playmaker out on the back end. And, you know, we alluded to it earlier. They are looking a scarily, scarily good unit. Mm, absolutely. 
Um, okay, my my best stat of the week, Saquon Barkley mentioned it uh, earlier on in the podcast. One rushing yard on 13 carries. Uh, not only is that his career low in rushing yards, obviously goes without saying, but it's the fewest rushing yards by any non-QB on 10-plus carries since Reggie Bush had minus five yards on 11 carries in Week 9, 2006, over the Buccaneers. So not good times over there uh, in New York for Saquon. Obviously, I, I, th- I think they've probably, with him, they're on a buy now next week, I believe. Um, it, but I think it's quite clear to see that uh, they brought, they've brought Saquon back too, too quickly, obviously, from that was it high ankle sprain. I think there's always the temptation to just try and get your playmakers back on the field as quickly as possible, and he's such a big part of that um, Giants offence, so you can understand the temptation to do so. To be fair, it's a bit of a bounce-back game, actually, for the Jets' run defence, which has been gassed the last couple of weeks, but up until that point, it's actually been you know a pretty strong part of that unit, so probably a couple of things combined there, but uh, certainly Saquon would have cost an awful lot of people fancy football matchups this weekend, mm. that's for sure. No, no doubt, and uh, Pat Shermer coming out and quashing rumours that he's going to shut Saquon Buckley down for the season. Okay, let's talk of talking of shutting down. Maybe there's some coaches we're about to talk about that should be shut down from their uh, from their head coaching tenures. But we'll find out in third down who they are. Okay, a couple, a couple of contenders this week. I say we mentioned them as we as we go along. Sean, uh, is this just going to be a couple of minutes bashing more Freddy Kitchens? <laughs> we are going to have to start to seriously consider renaming <laughs> this segment, aren't we? Um, I, I can't think, surely, of any other coach in history that's had nine opportunities consecutively with the ball inside the five-yard line. And when I say inside the five-yard line, at least four of those plays were from the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. How oh, on oh. earth you cannot muster up a yard of offence when you've got OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and all the rest of the guys that they've got there is just absolutely baffling. Um, every single run that was called was a pitch. All right, so for anyone that, that doesn't understand that terminology, that's essentially throwing the ball back about three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage. So essentially that one yard actually becomes sort of five or six yards for the running back to actually get. Yep. Um, you know, So any advantage you have from being that close essentially disappears. Not once did he try and sneak Mayfield. No, that, to that actually blew my mind. Yeah, Um Thankfully, Freddie was actually saved by our right tackle um, actually full starting um, because we'd got all the way down to fourth down yet again inside the one-yard line and was going to go for it again. Thankfully, the right tackle full started, so we ended up actually kicking a field goal. Um, but his most baffling decision of the day, and he'd probably go completely unnoticed, and it's probably a little bit irrelevant, but just for a bit of humour, there were three seconds left in the third quarter Oh, the, yeah. bills were, the Bills were obviously just <laughs> running down the clock, um, trying to get the Browns to jump. And although the Browns didn't jump, just to make sure, Freddie decided to call timeout. <laughs> um, I mean, thankfully, it didn't cost us in the end. But, uh, yeah, it's um, 
it's it's not looking good in the kitchen in Cleveland, unfortunately. No, the Cleveland Browns, second lowest red zone, third down conversion rate in the NFL. Had uh, After that 24-yard run by Nick Chubb, setting them up at first and goal at the one, they had eight consecutive plays from the two or one-yard line that didn't get into the end zone. That's the first time that's happened in 26 years. And I've got the play calls here in front of me. First and goal from the Buffalo one. Mayfield incomplete to Odell Beckham. Penalty on Jordan, Jordan Poy, obviously resets the downs. First and goal, Chubb rush for minus one yard. Second and goal, Chubb rush for one yard. Third, third and goal, Bayfield incomplete to Beckham. Penalty on Tredavious White resets the downs. Chubb, uh, first and goal from the one. Chubb rush for no gain. Baker Mayfield incomplete to Beckham. Chubb rush for no gain. Chubb rush for minus two yards on fourth and goal. Turnover on downs. How, how does that sound? That sounds like very efficient football. I don't know why anybody is complaining. What an absolute... I'm not going to use the word. It's a family show. <laughs> it's a family show. Um, you, you certainly weren't doing what Joe Buck was doing. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Move, moving on. Let's move swiftly on to fourth down. Fourth down. Okay, yeah, so time for a bit of fun. Obviously, playoffs is not too far in the distant future. Finishing line is in sight for some teams that are already probably planning for next year. But I thought we could go through both divisions, uh, both conferences quickly, Sean, and have a look at you know prospective uh, playoff games. Current AFC seeding is New England 1, Baltimore 2, Houston 3, Kansas City 4, Buffalo 5 and Pittsburgh 6. On the outside, looking in, you've got Oakland at 5 and 4, Indianapolis at 5 and 4, Jacksonville 4 and 5, Tennessee five and four uh, as well so uh, obviously you've got Buffalo at six and three just the one game ahead now as well and uh, Pittsburgh just clinging on to, to that six seed at the moment it's probably tiebreakers and all the rest of it in there but so Sean do you see any of Oakland in your Indianapolis Tennessee I put Jacksonville just as a cursory uh, London Jaguars and all the rest of it but uh, essentially only one game back to be quite honest so uh, who, who do you see in do you see any changes in the in the current playoff seedings or um, you know who do you see getting the sixth seed as well we talked briefly before we started recording this tonight and I feel like I've just been singing the hokey-cokey all night long when it comes to this AFC playoff <laughs> race, to be fair. I've been putting a team in, taking a team out, shaking them all about. Um, very, very difficult to really get a read on the AFC in total. I think the Patriots are, are definitely going to be the one. Um, yes, they could be off a loss, but you'd imagine the Belichick will get that sorted out pretty quickly, and they've obviously already got a lead there. So the, the Pats I've got is the one. Inter- interesting um, game against uh, Eagles this coming week, though. Now, the, the, look, they're always going to be interesting. You know, with, this week has proven any given Sunday anybody can beat anyone. Um, you know, but I think ultimately you've got history will tell you that the Patriots generally get better as the season goes on, that they don't generally have losing streaks. Belichick will very quickly get that turned around. Yeah. Um, and the bye week has probably come at the absolute ideal time for them. So Patriots, for me, are pretty much a lock for number one. Um, I've got the Ravens in at the two slot. I know that's where they are now. That's where I ended up putting them. I think um, you know they will get the required wins that they need. Um, I think the Texans will probably now hold on in the AFC South just about. I did have the Colts winning that division. Um, but I, you know, like I say, that was a, a big um, red flag yesterday, um, and I have been impressed with Houston, so I've got them as the three, um, and I've just about gone with the Chiefs in the four. I am very concerned by the fact that there seems to be a blueprint now in terms of beating this team. Um, so even if they make the playoffs, I, I don't really have an awful lot of confidence that they'll go a long way, um, despite the offensive firepower that they've got. For me, then at the five, and this will surprise you, I would guess. I've actually gone with the Oakland Raiders at the five. Um, 
just for the simple reason I think you alluded to it earlier, if you look at the schedule, and yes, nothing's a given, I can easily see a path to seven and four. Mm -hmm. And the NFL's very much about momentum. You know, I think that was a huge win for them on Thursday night. I think another couple of wins, and all of a sudden they'll be riding high. Um, and I think a sort of nine and seven record, I think there's going to be an awful lot of tiebreakers when it comes to the AFC. Um, and I think there's probably more teams involved in it than the Jags. Possibly it's blind faith. I wouldn't even discount the Browns at this stage. They've got an awful long way to go. But if Homer! You look, break, <laughs> you, you look at that schedule and tell me I'm wrong. No, you no. look at that schedule and tell me I'm wrong. No. You know, they've got two games against the Bengals, which, you know, again, you've got to turn up and you've got to play them, but you'd expect them to win those. And there is a pathway there. Um, you know, there's only the, Ra uh, only the Ravens left with the winning record. Um, but I've actually got the Colts in at the six. Um, I think Brissett will come back, and I think the Colts will will get in. He's my AFC six, but you know I'm not saying that with a huge amount of confidence because I certainly think it's a much harder conference to pick than what the NFC is. No, absolutely. I, I say I think the first the first three uh, New England, Baltimore, Houston are pretty much locked in. Probably. I can't take Oakland. I can't take Oakland at four, but yeah, I can certainly see. Um, I can certainly see why some people will and say, you know, two teams going to two different ways. Obviously, Kansas City losing three of the last four, and uh, Oakland on a bit of a roll. So, um, it's not again not outside the realms of possibility. Which prior to the season was uh, could have been was probably laughed at in most in most corners uh, of the world. But um, yeah, I mean Buffalo, like you say, not really beating too many. Obviously, currently fifth seed, six and three. Uh, record. I think they play. Do they play the Dolphins next week? I think that'd be an yep. interesting one. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Sean McDermott can kind of turn that one around. Because again, you know, they've not really, they've not really put in great performances despite their six and three record either. So um, yeah, interesting times over there in Buffalo. Um, yeah, so it remains to be seen. I think Pittsburgh, I say, depends. Defense obviously wins wins your championships, is but to be interesting to see how far that defense can. Uh, it's big, obviously, big game on Thursday. Is it Thursday night? The Steelers Browns, isn't it? It is, mate. That's, yep, yeah, absolutely. That, that could be a that could be a big uh, eliminator type game. Play football, play football in November, I suppose you could call it. So yeah, um, yeah, there's going to be plenty of uh, shuffling about until between now and uh, and week sixteen, week seventeen. Anyway, a bit more straightforward, like you say, Sean. In the NFC, San Francisco currently the one, Green Bay now the two, New Orleans down drop down to three, Dallas the four, uh, by virtue of head to head there with Philadelphia in the NFC East. Seattle number five, Minnesota. Uh, number six, so you, you have to um, you have to think that the, the fifth and sixth seed are gonna probably be worthy of maybe a three, a two or three seed, ju judging by their records. But um, on the outside, looking in, a couple of games back for these two the, these teams, the Rams the, and the Eagles and the Carolina Panthers, all five and four. Uh, I don't really see it being anyone else uh, outside of that. So, do you see any of those three uh, getting in? I suppose it's the NFC East, isn't it? That's going to change if anything. Yeah, the East is the one that's the, the most competitive. I've got the six locked in, as as are the current standings. I've got the order slightly flipped around. I've got the 49ers as the one. Um, I've actually got the Vikings as the two. I think they will ultimately just come out top in that run down the stretch with the Packers. Um, Saints as three, and I've got the Cowboys as the four. Um, by virtue then of, of me flip-flopping the Vikings into the two position, I've got the Packers at the five mm -hmm. and the Seahawks at the six. Um, and I'm very confident about those six teams. Um, like you say, I think the, 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 the Panthers potentially would have been a little bit of a wild card, but I just think they're too far back in terms of the wild card race. And I think a two-game lead to the Saints is you know, a lot to claw back at this stage of the season. Mm. Um, I don't really see anybody else in that NFC conference that's going to going to push. Um, like you say, I think the Cowboys and Eagles are going to probably go 
back and forth. But I think whoever comes out as the victor, I think whoever finishes second in that division is not going to probably be good no. enough for a wild card. No, no, I, I agree. Yeah, week 16 there, uh, Lincoln Financial Field, Philadelphia versus Dallas probably will come down to that. So I'll be, by, I'll get my, I'll grow my nails ready for that one. But the referees are about to come in. They're waving their hands, blowing their whistles. It's time for the two-minute warning. Okay, so like I say, yeah, quick uh, two minutes before we get out of here. Monday Night Football, Sean, I thought we'd get uh, get a quick reaction, quick prediction from you on the game. Ooh, caught me on the hop there, mate. <laughs> I, I, think be, I, think, I think it'll be a great game. I know that's not a prediction, um, you know, but I think two really, really good teams. I think, you know, Russell Wilson thrives in the big occasion. Um, he thrives as an underdog. Um, however, the 49ers have just been incredibly impressive and every time you think, well, this is the week that they're finally going to lose, they actually up their performance levels as well. Um, you know, I, I could see this being a really, really entertaining game. We often bash Monday Night Football as being a bit of an afterthought, but it's probably the game of the week this week. Um, I'll take the 49ers just. Um, if you want to put me on the spot, I'll, I will take the 49ers just. Um, but I think it's going to be a really, really entertaining game. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see how the 49ers uh, deal with the big losses on both sides of the ball. Quan Alexander, I think he's done for the season um, for linebacker for the 49ers. And George Kittle, tight end, I think he's doubtful for this one as well. So, yeah, like you say, Sean, it's another game where all the odds are stacked against uh, Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G. And you know, no one's no one's giving them the, you know, especially me giving them any respect or credit <laughs> they they deserve. So I'll continue to do uh, revert to type. Uh, but I'll, you know, if 49ers do win here, I'll probably have to buy another box of tissues because I've gone through the other ones uh, with all the tears. Uh, but yeah, it should be a high-scoring game. Russell Wilson, like I say, needs to be uh, at his MVP level best again. He's actually um, 11-3 versus San Francisco in his career. Uh, and uh, here's a hashtag pointless stat for you: his hundredth game outdoors. Um, so take, make that what you will <laughs> um, but yeah that's going to do it for today's podcast if you stand up for that game do enjoy it especially if you're a Seahawks fan hopefully you can come away with the win but before we go don't forget tomorrow uh, which will be Tuesday it will be the full 10 uh, takeaways from the weekend's action that will be up in uh, up on the website, fullat10yards.com. College stuff is usually on a Tuesday as well, so expect some good stuff from Lee, Maxwell, and all the boys over there in the college branch. We'll be back on Thursday as we look ahead to week 11, January football, uh, December football is almost here, ladies and gentlemen. So take a deep breath, drink it all in, because it's just going to be lots of NFL goodness. So we'll be back in a couple of days. So in the meantime, it's goodbye from Sean. Cheers, mate. Enjoyed it. Uh, it's goodbye for me in the great words of Kevin Cahill. It's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.